invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today's Song of the Soul guest, Sherry Minnick, is Wisconsin-raised and Twin Cities, Minnesota flourished for the past 40 years. For quite a while, Sherry was focused on bluegrass music, though that focus has wandered, including her first years at 14 as part of a rock group called the Debonairs, but also forays through country, gospel, swing jazz, Irish, and other music from the British Isles but especially delighting currently in old-timey music and particularly loving voice-only a cappella music. Ready to light up a tune at the drop of a hat pin, Sherry Minnick will do just that today as she joins me in person here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Sherry, thanks so much for making the trek over from the Twin Cities to join me for Song of the Soul. Thanks for asking me. It's my pleasure to be here, and I'm really happy to be able to talk about the music that I've been singing. And my sense is that you started out pretty early. You come from a musical family, from singing family. Your first professional gig, I guess, was at the age of 14? Well, yes, if you're talking about a paid gig with the Debonairs in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. That's where I grew up. I uh, was born in Madison, but at the age of four, I moved to Rhinelander. And at the age of 14, I was singing professionally. However, I, have, I was recorded at the age of four, so I know that I was singing before that. But really, everyone in my family sang. Not professionally. It wasn't a musical family in the sense that we mean it now. It's just that everybody sang all the time for entertainment. We all sang, whether we were good singers or not. And so I learned a lot of songs from the 20s and 30s, which are still complete in my head, and I could sing them all if asked. Would you like me to sing one of those right now? I'd love to hear one of those. What would you like to share? I'm going to sing Let the Rest of the World Go By, which I've recently discovered has been recorded by many people, but this one is by Sherry Minnick. With someone like you, a pal so good and true, I'd like to leave it all behind and go and find a place that's known to God alone just a place to call our own we'll find perfect peace where joys will never cease somewhere beneath a kindly sky we'll build a sweet 
somewhere out in the west and let the rest of the world go by. That's Sherry Minnick, who's singing with us today for Song of the Soul. Let the rest of the world go by. Is that the kind of song that speaks to your soul, or is it just, you know, it's in your roots? I mean, sometimes those are different things. Well, to be honest, all of these songs speak to my soul. But this is in my in the past, and I didn't sing these for a long time because I sang rock and roll with the debonairs at the age of 14. Then we had a band in Wisconsin called the Five Dimensions. Some of those people are still around, may even be listening to the show here in Wisconsin. And we sang Beatles songs, and then I went to college, and pretty soon somebody played a Bill Monroe record for me, and the next thing you know, I was singing bluegrass. And so there was a band in Oklahoma called Green Corn that I sang with for quite a few years, and we fronted for Earl Scruggs Review and people like that. It was was just a lot of fun. uh, It was bluegrass. And so when I moved to Minnesota, I continued to play bluegrass, sang with a band with Kate McKenzie called the Bell City Bluegrass. That was one of the early ones. And then Haywire and, oh, I could go on forever, all the bands I've sung in and combinations of people I've sung with. But Bluegrass and Old Time has been a mainstay for me since I moved to Minnesota. And that is, I guess, some of the songs, especially the ballads that I started to get interested in when I was singing with John Van Arman. That music touches me deeply, and I continue to pursue it to this day. Now I've started singing the old songs again. I don't know why, the ones I learned as a kid. Oh, mainly because I'm playing with Phil Nussbaum, who is a really excellent banjo player and backs up these songs very well. So that's one of the reasons that we're getting into things like Red Red Robin and Let the Rest of the World Go By and some of the songs we heard as kids. But I have a, a lot of music that I love, and I'll be happy to sing any of it that you would like to hear. And you've already heard, Sherry, that my rules are very clear. It's not about what I want to hear. It's what your soul wants to sing. And you talk about all of these old ones, the ballads that you grew up with. When you grew up with these, are you talking about they're playing on the 78s or the 45s or the 33s? Or is it your folk singing them? Are you hearing it on the radio? No, not really, no. Yes, um, I'm going to sing a, a ballad that I learned from a 78. It's not really a ballad, it's a train song. Train wreck songs were very popular in the early part of the century, you know, because that was the big danger that everyone was fearing, and so there were lots of train wreck songs. And this song is called Night Express, and you'll find a poem by that name in Willa Cather's writing, but it's not the same Night Express. I did research. But Bonnie Bess, this was recorded in 1925 twice by Wilmer Watts and his Lonely Eagles, and I learned it from 78s. Let me sing this song about Bonnie Bess. Along the bank's high ridge Where do you live, my child, I asked And what might be your name She looked at me with eyes upcast And this her answer came The house beyond the bluff is ours They call me 
Bonnie Bess. My papa is an engineer. He runs the night express. Schedule time and not a moment late. His engine comes around the curve at quite a fearful rate. The lamp in Mama's window burns, placed there alone for him. He sees it glow and smiles to know that all is safe within. Sometimes the clouds loom overhead, his train we cannot see. He whistles loud for Mama dear and rings the bell for me. train that there might be some sad mishap and he no life to claim God watches over us she cried and God knows what is best and we are asked to trust and serve and leave to God the rest the faith this child had shown in God It made my own seem weak I bowed my head in silent prayer And kissed her on the cheek Then said to her in tender tones God bless you, Bonnie Bess God bless your mama and the man Who runs the night express And of course, that's not really fast compared to probably some of the bluegrass stuff that you do, too. But it's got a lot. And I think you learned that from the 78. Yes, I did learn that from the 78. But speaking of the bluegrass stuff, you know, I wrote a lot of songs, but I wrote a song that was recorded by Stony Lonesome. You know, I, I kind of skipped over the bluegrass here onto my old time music, and I'd like to listen to that song. Would you like to hear it? Yeah, sure. I'd love to do it. Do you want to do Stony Lonesome? Should we invite them into the room to listen with us? Yes. Let's invite Stony Lonesome to do Train Going South, a song I wrote some years ago. So long ago, so young and lighthearted. Well, it doesn't seem a bit like yesterday. That time left behind, flying along the line long ago. Train headed north. I caught the cold winter blues from your baby, and I'm leaving on the next train going south. If you ever wonder why, if you ever wanna try, buy a ticket on the next train going south. Now I stand and watch that moon slowly rising, recalling all that you once meant to me. Now I'm leaving 
today's song of the soul sherry minnick but stony lonesome was who was performing it tell us a little bit about stony lonesome how did they know you are they folks that you hung around with did they just pick your song up out of some collection well as i said before when i came to minnesota i sang with kate mckenzie in a group called bell city bluegrass and we were just starting out and kate is the singer in the stony lonesome band and we sang quite a few of my songs actually but that's the one that's that's the bluegrass song I wrote other bluegrass songs, but that's the one that's recorded and most accessible. I've been singing unaccompanied songs for quite a while, though. That would be the th- the thing. You know, I made a CD called Look Ma, No Hands, and it's all unaccompanied songs. That's what I've been doing for a really long time. So probably you would like to hear an unaccompanied song. Well, of course I do. But first I want to ask you a little bit about your voice. I mean, obviously you've got a beautiful voice. And when you grow up in a singing family, you, did you also grow up learning to sing harmonies and all those multiple parts? Is that the kind of thing? Or was it just singing the melodies that were popular of the day and so on? Well, I think when you sing in big groups of people like a big family, which my father's family was, there were seven in the family, you learn to sing harmonies. That was just natural. It's very natural for me. I've done all kinds of singing, sacred harp singing. I've learned a bunch of shaker songs which, of course, is always in unison. That's a different kind of singing. Jazz singing, Kate and I and Rachel Nelson used to sing Boswell Sisters arrangements. I don't know if you know the Boswell Sisters jazz music, but that's very sophisticated, and it's really easy for me to sing harmony. So, yes, I do all that kind of singing, everything. But I love singing unaccompanied songs. And, Sherry, were you also in choirs along the way? I kind of figure that's the way that will go through high school, or you were in church choir maybe? Many choirs over the years. But, you know, I, I began chanting in the Episcopal Church at the age of 12, leading the chanting, but that's a different kind of singing. But, yes, I was in. I was singing in a choir when someone first played a Bill Monroe record for me and I started singing bluegrass, so I know what that means. In addition to that, I taught children's choirs for 17 years, two different choirs, and there I was teaching children to sing music 
sacred music from many different traditions. That's what, that's what I called it. And we did a concert each spring and each Christmas time for each of those 17 years, so many spiritual songs. Where did you get the kids from? How, what ages? What kind of choir really was this? Initially, uh, it was a community choir on the West Bank in Minneapolis. It was sponsored by the Episcopal Church, but it wasn't a church choir, if you know what I mean. It was something for the kids to do after school. That choir was about seven years, and then I was hired by a, an Episcopal priest to teach another choir, and that choir lasted about ten years, and that was under the auspices of a, of a First Nations native church in uh, Minneapolis, and we The kids in that choir were all Episcopalians, but not the standard Episcopalian. (laughs) They were all people from Africa or Native Americans or just the kids who wouldn't have had any experience of the large choirs that we're kind of talking about, the standard church choir. And again, we sang traditional music from many different traditions. I mean, sacred music. So are you saying, Sherry, that you were singing African tunes, the kind that... I think uh, most people got exposed to when Paul Simon started doing some stuff, Lady Smith, Black Mambazo, those kind of... I lived in Africa for two years, in West Africa, and I've also traveled in Kenya, Rwanda, the Congo. So I've heard them singing there, and it blows my mind. We don't have anything like that that we do as kids growing up here. I mean, a church choir probably gets closer in terms of actually doing something, but every kid I ever met in Africa knows how to sing along with all these other people. It's just, it's wonderful. So were you drawing on that stuff, or was this Episcopal Church stuff that you're singing that's sung from those areas? What kind of stuff were you doing? No, we were, we were singing uh, traditional music, meaning close to the ground kind of music from different traditions. So the African music was... We sang in those languages, we sang Native American beauty songs. We sang usually kind of led out by the the content of the, the, the composition of the choir. So if there were people from, if there were Jewish children in the choir, then we concentrated on Jewish songs and Jewish ceremonies. And I should say that we also celebrated ceremonies. We celebrated Kwanzaa. And the songs that go with Kwanzaa, we celebrated Hanukkah, we cel- and you know the, the high holy days in the Jewish calendar, and we just we were just exposing ourselves to all kinds of different traditions, but mostly the sacred in those traditions. But you said that this came, this was organized by Episcopal Church. Yeah, the Episcopal Church does some cool things sometimes. <laughs> they found the money. Uh, they let me have my free reign, though. And we we did perform at the cathedral. We would perform at big Episcopal functions. You know, everybody was happy to have it. But it wasn't anything that they, you wouldn't have said it was an Episcopal project if you were just listening to us. You wouldn't have known. Yeah, I'm curious about the Native American variety of music that you did. Did you bring in drums and that kind of thing? Johnny Smith came, who was a drummer and a a country singer, came from the Red Earth Survival School, which is no longer in existence, and did a workshop, a drum season. It was like six weeks. They came every week. He and the boys, the the children, the girl children in the choir were not allowed to play the drum, the big drum. But we did have a few hand drums. That caused some problems. Culturally, when you start doing these things, (laughs) problems arise. But we did sing, yeah. Some of the music was easier to learn than others, but we did learn to sing some native things. 
I'm thinking, hey, Nayana, hey, ya, hey, Yana, hey, Nayana, hey, ya, hey, yo, hey, ya, hey, yo. They taught us some songs and they let us sing, but we, the girls could not play the drums, which I heard about over and over again, believe me. <laughs> but traditionally, the source of power, women have their own source of power, and the drum is the source of power for men. It's actually one of the issues whenever you go to, well, when I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Africa, yeah, I'm bringing, I was teaching math and science. So, yeah, I'm good for that. But does that mean I should teach them to think the way that I do in terms of culture or relations between men and women and so on? Well, to some degree, I couldn't help but pass some of that on. And it was hard to keep my hands off of such attitudes watching what I thought was a second-class role for women in Africa, for instance. I understand that Barack Obama had to deal with some of that when he was there just recently. He confronted some of the people in Kenya he was visiting. He talked about, yeah, well, we do this differently in the U.S., and, uh, you know, this is how we see it. It's very interesting. There, I think the worst culture clash was with some of the African people who had come back who had who were from the country which had gone back to Africa after the Civil War and came back here. The Liberian culture is matriarchal and very, what should I say, direct. And the, I had Liberian children with Native American children and, and the Native American mothers and the Liberian mothers. It just, there was a lot of disruption, usually because there were kids who were had fetal alcohol syndrome or, you know, there was a lot of disruption it was a very difficult project, you know, these choirs. It wasn't easy. The family lives were hard, and it just required a lot of patience and tolerance, and some of the Liberian mothers didn't have that. It was very interesting. And then they would be yelling at the children, and the Native American mothers would not be saying anything, but, you know, disapproving. That was the worst culture clash that I experienced in the course of those, those 17 years. Well, it's cool that they had the gift of music through you. I mean, you're nurturing their own music in them. One of my students it works for public radio in San Francisco, and she emailed me recently to tell me that she interviewed a Malkin women's choir, and she found it very easy because she knew a lot about different kinds of music. And so she thought that was because of her presence in that first choir, first seven years on the West Bank. And I, I was, you know, get some gratification once in a while. Good. I'm glad you can get some gratification once in a while. <laughs> Hopefully it's more frequent than that. Um, yeah, and by the way, just a reminder for you, maybe, Sherry, you want to listen through all the music that I've done. You'll find the recording I did with a group called the Balkan Babes, which is a group, they're over by Pittsburgh, and I interviewed them just a bit over a year ago. But you were talking about a lot of the music that you do, which is unaccompanied voice, and you're recording Look Ma No Hands. Is there a particular reason that unaccompanied, you know, a cappella music particularly calls to you? I'm not sure why, but I think when I sing and a whole room full of people gets very quiet and pays really close attention, that feels very powerful to me. Talking about it doesn't feel nearly as powerful, but actually having the experience of... I, I One time I was at a funeral uh, of a very popular man in the Twin Cities, Bill Hinckley, and there were people trying to uh, 
quiet the crowd down because it was a big reunion of people from all over the country, you know, at his memorial service and saying things like, we're going to give away that Volvo in the parking lot now, but no one was paying any attention. (laughs) But I sang a song. I could actually sing that song if you'd like to hear it. I sang a song which is in the tradition of the unaccompanied uh, traditional songs, but newly written by Alice Gerard, and the room fell silent. And it was a big hanger of a room. And it was pretty remarkable. That was the most exaggerated experience I've had of that. But when that happens, and that kind of personal communication, it's so personal. It's so personal I can't keep my eyes open. When that happens, it's it's a very powerful thing. And then I think, okay, skip everything else you do, just sing, Sherry. You know. And when you get that feeling, you know you're on the right track. And the unaccompanied singing is the only thing that does it. People are able to ignore you, and you're playing a guitar along with it. <laughs> so did you want to share that song or, or not? Why not? This is an Alice Gerard composition called Calling Me Home. I sang it at Bill Hinckley's funeral. An old friend lay on his dying bed Held my hand to his bony breast And he whispered low as I bent my head Oh, they're calling me home They're calling me home My time has come to sail away I know you'd love for me to stay But I miss my friends of yesterday. Oh, they're calling me home. They're calling me home. I know you'll remember me when I'm gone. Remember my stories. Remember my song. I'll leave them on earth, sweet traces of gold. Oh, they're calling me home. They're calling me home. So friends, gather round and bid me goodbye. My body's bound, but my soul shall fly. My little light shining from the sky Oh, they're calling me home They're calling me home My time has come to sail away I know you'd love for me to stay But I miss my friends of yesterday Oh, they're calling me home They're calling me home The voice is Sherry Minnick, who's here today for Song of the Soul. The composition, Calling Me Home, is by Alice Gerard. 
I want to remind you that you're listening to Song of the Soul, which is Northern Spirit Radio production. We're on the web at northernspiritradio.org. And on that site, you'll find more than 10 years of our programs for free listening and download. You'll find connections to our guests. So when you want to get a hold of Sherry Minnick, come via us. We'll connect you to her Facebook page and we'll give you her email. And you want her to come sing with and for you? You can find her through NorthernSpiritRadio.org. There's also a place for comments, and we love two-way communication. So when you visit our site, please post a comment and let us know what you're thinking. There's also a place to donate, and that's how this is funded. It's totally by your contributions. And so click on Donate when you visit. But even more importantly, I'd love to have you support your local community radio station. In the Twin Cities, where Sherry Minnick is from, that includes KFAI, which has been doing a great job of getting local music and voice out there. And that kind of thing you get on local community radio station is so invaluable. It's not limited by commercial interests or by political interests of some party. And so before you support Northern Spirit Radio, start by supporting your local community radio station. Again, Sherry Minnick is here. And she's out of the Twin Cities, and she has been for a lot of years. She grew up in Wisconsin, which is all to her credit. And I'm glad she was able to take her brilliance and talent over to Minnesota to enrich their culture there, too. We just heard Calling Me Home, which, as you've listened to it, I'm sure you were struck like I was, how it could have been a song a hundred years ago. It was of that form. I would imagine somebody like the Carter family maybe could have done that or certainly other singers of their genre back in those days. But in fact, it's by a much more recent artist, Alice Gerard. So what portion of the music you do is actually your own songs, Sherry? At this point in time, I don't sing anything that I... Well, I actually I'm started singing Train Going South with Phil Nussbaum, whom I'm performing with now. But I'm interested in the old songs, and the older the song, the better. And I have many versions of each song that I sing. Sometimes I have two or three versions. You know, I recorded a version of Old Bangham, which is probably the oldest song I sing. Pretty much everyone agrees that Old Bangham and the Boar comes from Beowulf's time. So that's traveled to us over all these many years, and that fascinates me. Why do people keep singing about these stories? I say that all stories are true and some actually happened. Or I have a friend who always tells her kids when they say, is that a true story, teacher? She says, it's truer than true, which is something that can be said about stories and ballads. I'm very fascinated by the by what compels us to keep these songs alive, what essential thing is in this song which travels from person to person. And it's pretty much off the radar. That's a thing. As, as you said, I learned a few songs from 78s, but you can't turn on the radio and hear this stuff, except on public radio here and there. Yes, you do hear it. But you have to go find versions. And I found a version of a new version of Old Bangham, that b- song that goes back to Beowulf, by l- going to a workshop in West Virginia And the singer, the original singer, never recorded it. So I learned it from, I learned it orally. No one has ever recorded this version. They are a wild boar in these woods, Delody, They are a wild boar in these woods, Delody. They are a wild boar in these woods, 
Eat your meat and suck your blood. Come away, cuddle down, Quanzio. Old Bangum got him a wooden gun. Lordy, lordy. Old Bangum got him a wooden gun. Lordy. Old Bangum got him a wooden gun. He'd shoot that wild boar as he run. Come away, cuddle down, Quanzio. Old Bangum got him a butcher knife. Delody, delody. Old Bangum got him a butcher knife. Delody. Old Bangum got him a butcher knife. He swore he'd take that wild boar's life. Come away, cuddle down, Quanzio. He tracked that wild boar to his den, Delody, Delody. He tracked that wild boar to his den, Delody. He tracked the wild boar to his den. He found the bones of a thousand men. Come away, cuddle down, Quanzio. He raised his horn up to his mouth, Delody, Delody. He raised his horn up to his mouth, Delody. He raised his horn up to his mouth. He blew it east and west and south. Come away, cuddle down, Quanzio. That wild boar come at such a dash, Delody, Delody. The wild boar come at such a dash, Delody. The wild boar come at such a dash, he tore through hickory oak and ash. Come away, cuddle down, Quanzio. Old Bangum raised his wooden gun, Delody, Delody. Old Bangum raised his wooden gun, Delody. Old Bangum raised his wooden gun. He shot that wild boar as he run. Come away, cuddle down, Quanzio. Old Bangum raised his butcher knife, Delody, Delody. Old Bangum raised his butcher knife, Delody. Old Bangum raised his butcher knife. Right there he took that wild boar's life. Come away, cuddle down, Quanzio. Phew, powerful, powerful. I have a few more things to say about Old Bangum, which occurred to me while I was singing the song. Um, I learned this, as I say, orally. I learned it from Michael Klein, who learned it directly from Maggie Hammonds Parker. She has recorded some stuff, but Hammonds family was a famous family in West Virginia, fiddlers, banjo players, and singers. And they were isolated. West Virginia is isolated in the same way northern Wisconsin is isolated. You know, there are little pockets of community. And some of the same stuff developed in northern Wisconsin, just little pockets of singers and players, because the woods was isolating. In West Virginia, it's the mountains, and they were right on the Allegheny frontier. They described the woods as dark by day and dark by night to Michael Klein. And then he also asked Maggie who Old Bangum was, and she said it was a hunting partner of her grandfather's. And this is the song that goes back to Beowulf because of the cave reference with the, with the bones of men in it. That's why we can identify it as an old song. 
Yeah, so it's it's real stuff. I, of course, some of the ballads we get, as you you talked about, truer, truer than true, or facts and truth, and all of those kinds of things. There's so much of the spirit of people that get conveyed through the music. One of the things that strikes me about music that's so important, and why it's so important that you're conveying it like you are, Sherry, is that music is often the lifeblood of community. I think there's so many people who grew up listening to and singing along with songs when I was young, and I have a certain certain sense of connection, community to them. And so I think when people grow up, whether it's from hundreds of years ago, you know, I dream of Jeannie with the light brown hair, or there's a minor 49er and his daughter Clementine. I mean, those are songs of a certain era. They carry spirit. Yes, I, I agree. Whenever I do library work or work with children, I often sing the songs that we sang when we were kids. They don't know them anymore, but, oh, my darling Clementine, is that you that you were singing? There's an energy there, and I like it when I'm with adults because they often, if you sing that song, they can all sing along. And those were traditional songs in America collected by people and passed around in our schools, you know, so we got a chance to learn them. But at one point I thought maybe that music was not, that spirit, that energy was not moving around. But then I discovered it was, it just wasn't on television. And it just wasn't on the internet. And it just wasn't on records. It was just being what you're saying. It, it, it was expressing the life of a community. People got done working, they played fiddle tunes. They played for dances. They sang songs for each other. It was a part of their lives. They, it was self-entertainment, and it didn't die out just because those other things came along. You just couldn't see it, you know. So you can travel around and find all kinds of people still doing this, and it's, fa- and it's heartwarming. It's fascinating. Some of the traditions that we keep alive have died out. As the sh- One of the things I was thinking about, talking about the children, was that I taught them some shaker songs. I really loved the shaker songs, which were songs that you danced to. So... Simple Gifts was always A, A, B, B, the parts of the song. You sang the two, the first part twice and the second part twice, and there were steps to go with it. It's been um, quite perverted now. It's not so simple, you know, the way people do it. But the shaker tradition fascinated me, and for a while I learned a bunch of those songs and taught them to the kids, and we actually made up some dances to go with them. But some of those things are kind of dying out because they're connected with something that's dying out. But generally, people making music is something that seems to be hanging in there very strongly. And certainly, since I'm doing a program called Song of the Soul, I believe it's still there and that it's worth nurturing. But I'm also aware that because we have electronics now and because we have professional singers, it used to be that the singer, who was a very good singer, was in your community, and now it's not the best of your community. It's the best of 300 million people. And how do I feel trying to do the voice of someone who is so incredibly talented beyond that? I Actually, even though it, it certainly hasn't stamped out the desire to make music, I think to a certain degree, some of our energy of our singing has been sapped by being compared to the greatest of the great. I think you're right. And I would also like to point out that if you heard Maggie Hammond singing Old Bangham and the Bear, you would cover your ears because the beauty of the voice was not the primary quality that one sought in a songkeeper. 
The song keepers, the song catchers were people who could remember the lyrics and remember the, the notes, you know, remember the, they could sing them, but the beautiful voice is a more recent concept. You know, we've always loved beautiful voices, but the beautiful voice was not necessarily the song keeper. So in fact, yeah, that has something to do with it. You know, it's not, it's not really about, it, it's about expressing yourself in music. It's not really about entertainment in the way that we think of it on television the most beautiful voice. And you wouldn't believe the things I listened to. I'm sure most people would just be horrified. But <laughs> we just we just didn't put such a high premium on the beautifully trained, I don't know. And you're right, comparing yourself to anyone for any reason is not really very useful. I don't think it's very useful. But people didn't do that. And again, yeah, the fiddle players. I, I can't imagine that all these wonderful fiddle players couldn't would have evolved if they were comparing themselves to someone on the radio didn't really do that. They just were entertaining themselves. And they got really good. <laughs> so I don't know if I made us take a detour there. You were talking about Shaker singing, and I certainly, in Quaker circles, have sung Simple Gifts. As a matter of fact, I was visiting in Paris, France, and sharing some of the songs, and they had never heard Simple Gifts, which in Quaker circles in the U.S. is is very sung. And so... I worked with a guy there, and I translated it so we could sing it in French. So I've actually got a version of that in French I'll have to share with you after we finish off the program. But I'm pretty sure you want to share with us some of the beauty that the Shakers passed down to us. Oh, sure. I'd love to. I learned quite a few Shaker songs, but this is one that has stuck with me because I like what it says so much. Little children, so holy mothers, soothe and comfort one another. Low, 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 low. Little children, so holy mothers, soothe and comfort one another. Low, 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 low. Draw the cords of a union stronger, wind and bind them around each other, make them feel your love and blessing. Draw the cords of a union stronger, wind and bind them around each other, make them feel your love and blessing. Sweet, sweet and beautiful. Again, folks, by the way, we're here with Sherry Minnick, You'll find a link to her, including her page on Facebook, and you'll find her email address. You want to get a hold of her. She's got such a wealth of music in that head and in that throat that you really will be further enriched. And if you get her a hold of her CD, Look Ma, No Hands, you'll sing right along with her on 19 songs on that recording. So we just heard a Shaker song, and we've got lots more. What would you like to share next, Sherry? Oh, I just don't know what to what to pick. So many wonderful songs. I've sung much gospel music. As I said, I started chanting in the Episcopal Church at the age of 12. So I'd like to sing the song I sang at my mother's funeral, which I'd been singing for quite a long time. I just thought it was really appropriate. For some reason, I just picked it. I hope she liked it, too. Joys are flowing like a river Since the Comforter has come She abides with us forever Makes the trusting heart her home Blessed quietness Holy quietness What assurance in my soul 
on the stormy sea, speaking peace to me. How the billows cease to roll, like the gentle rain from heaven. Like the sunlight from the sky, so the Holy Ghost is given, falling from us from on high. Blessed quietness, holy quietness, what assurance in my soul. On the stormy sea, speaking peace to me. How the billows cease to roll. See the fruitful field is growing, blessed fruits of righteousness. And the streams of life are flowing in the lonely wilderness. What a wonderful salvation! Where we always see His face. What a peaceful habitation! What a quiet resting place! Blessed quietness, holy quietness. What assurance in my soul on the stormy sea, speaking peace to me. How the billows cease to roll. Blessed quietness, <laughs> holy quietness, what assurance in my soul on the stormy seas, speaking peace to me. How the billows cease to roll. <laughs> so that's when you know. <laughs> of course, I know because I'm a Quaker, and I mean we're all about quietness. Uh, you're Episcopalian, and uh, I know you do some TM. You've been doing that for quite a while. Where do you tap into the blessed quietness? I, I grew up Catholic. And actually, my experience of the Latin Mass, which was the norm for the first 10 years I was on the earth, having a Mass in Latin is like having silence. It puts you in that different space. It takes you away from the words, which I find very valuable. So where do you tap into that blessed quietness? Well, you know, the Episcopal Church that I attend is Orthodox liturgically and liberal socially, or politically, I should say. So that Orthodox liturgy is what you're saying about like the Catholic Church. Now the sermons are going to be challenging emotionally, spiritually, socially, especially on the subject of communal sin, community sin. 
But the priest is very good at that, Bill, Bill Tesca from the Holy Trinity and St. Ansgar community in, in Minneapolis. But Orthodox liturgy is what gets me into that space, some kind of common thing that happens over and over again. We have a lot of icons, meditating on the icon of uh, Martin Luther King, for instance, or Dorothy Day or Oscar Romero, meditating on those icons. That's a pretty common practice in the Orthodox practice. And uh, quite a bit of chanting. We have a little chant scola. That gets you in that space. The way I like to worship is with not too much thinking. You know, the thinking can come in a different place. But there needs to be a time when the outside world goes away so that I can contemplate my own relationship with God. That's the that's a thing that I appreciate. That's not very popular anymore, even in the Episcopal Church. There's a lot of hand-holding and stuff like that. And I, you know, I'm not disparaging that. I, it seems to be what people want. But for me, it's definitely the... Uh, some of the orthodox practices that are more meaningful and get me in that space. I know that some people have been reluctant when thinking about a program, Song of the Soul, is this going to all be church songs? And for me, spirituality is so much wider than just what fits a particular theology. That's one of the reasons I appreciate the fact that with the choirs that you did for so many years, that you're drawing on their spiritual power, roots, inspiration from all over the earth. The light shines through everything, which is how I would say it as a Quaker. But words are not the point. There's a deeper experience. So sometimes I have to shut up, which many people are thankful for, by the way. <laughs> I need to shut up and actually hear beyond the words. Yes, I appreciate that. I don't know what I was after. I mean, we're talking about 70 years nearly of practice of different kinds, so I don't know what I've been, like with the children's choirs. I think I wanted to expand mine, and I believe me, I was just one step ahead of them with these other cultures, you know. there When I had some Jewish kids in my uh, children's choir on the West Bank, I was learning a lot about the Jewish religion, you know. And, and now I understand that if you were going to be a particularly good Christian, you better be a pretty good Jew first, and it was, a, it was a very interesting experience for me, but clearly I was just one step ahead of them. And then the mother of the children got drawn back into practicing her religion. So it's just, you never know what's going to happen. But it was enlightening, and there, and there wasn't a lot of thought about it. You know, I, I just said, okay, well, this would be interesting. I like this. I was always looking for singable, had to be singable music from other cultures that I could, like when you, we were talking about the African music, you know, the South African music is the most singable. And the Navajo beauty songs are the most singable for non-native people, you know, that kind of thing. And so I was looking for things that I could manage to do because it can be pretty hairy, you know, especially when you get into the Chinese music, which I had to do for, for some kids. They use a different scale, you know. <laughs> this is challenging, but it was worth it. Well, you know, Sherry, we could go on for days, I'm sure. The, the wealth of music that you bring and the passion that you bring it with would last that long, but I have time for one more song. So how would you like to conclude your song of the soul? Okay, one more song, and this is a song composed by my friend Rachel Nelson, and all of the choirs, once I learned it, learned this. I hope it isn't too much of something that sticks in your head and goes round and around and around. A little baby possum was swinging by his tail. 
Started swinging back and forth, the witch made his mama wail. Possums aren't meant to swing so high, she said with a nervous dance. But the little one swung until it went clear around that branch. I'm awesome, awesome, said the little possum. I'm awesome, and that's that. I'm awesome, awesome, said the little possum. I'm awesome, and that's that. Now the possums went out walking, and the little one ran ahead. Ran and raced around them all until his papa said, Possums aren't built for speed, dear, but the little one ran each day. Ran and raced a big gray squirrel and blew that squirrel away. I'm awesome, awesome, said the little possum. I'm awesome, and that's that. That's that. Well, possums found a food box. Papa tried to break it. Mama tried to gnaw right through. Little sister tried to shake it. The little baby possum said, See how this is shut? Fingered with the little lock and opened that box right up. Oh, I'm awesome, awesome. Oh, said the little possum, I'm awesome. And that's that. Again, that song is written by a Minnesotan, Rachel Nelson, performed here for Song of the Soul by my guest, Sherry Minnick. And there's a lot more stuff of Sherry's that you want to find out about. She has a recording out there, Look Ma, No Hands. It's a cappella, unaccompanied, but there's music you can see her, whether it's bluegrass or old-time stuff or whatever. There's a rich assortment of music that she brings with her wherever she goes. So if you're in the Twin Cities area, it's easy. You can find her on Facebook. I have a link on nordenspiritradio.org. Thank you so much, Sherry, for nurturing the music and the soul of music that you do so well and for joining me here today for Song of the Soul. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. I really appreciate it, and it's been my pleasure. I hope that more people sing on out there. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy song